Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn, and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Difference between YouTube and LinkedIn. And for a bit of backstory, you're very active on YouTube. You have been for several years. You've amassed almost 15,000 subscribers, which is no small feat on YouTube. That's very impressive. I'm at 300 subscribers. So clearly you can teach me some things and I applaud you for the work that you've put in to develop the amazing success that you've had there. And, and you're only just beginning, really, because as you know, it's a long-term proposition. And you, you do practice what you preach, which is you think in decades, not days. And so, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about how these platforms differ. And as, a, I guess, a bit more backstory, I have been very active on LinkedIn since the beginning of last year, 2020. I did take a hiatus. Most people who know me fairly well, know that I was in the trenches, the clubhouse trenches with you, and that occupied 90% of my time, literally. My family will attest to that. And so I'm only just recently gotten back into LinkedIn and getting back into the habit of posting and engaging and being a part of the LinkedIn community. So let's just start with a softball. What do you see as the broad stroke differences between LinkedIn and YouTube. For sure, man. And suffice to say that you're as much of an expert as I am, but on LinkedIn, I mean, you have amassed a following of 20,000. So it's definitely a pull in from your knowledge as well. But you know what I would say, Billy, I think the biggest differences between YouTube and LinkedIn is community. That's probably a big difference where on YouTube, it's more of a one-way interaction. So you comment on my videos, I comment on your videos, but there's no meet and greet. There's no let's chat for 20 minutes. There's no, hey, do you want to brainstorm ideas together? YouTube as a platform and an interface doesn't really facilitate that. Whereas on LinkedIn, let's say we take this live right now. Anyone who comments on this live, anyone who press like on this live, we know who engages, we can literally message them directly with the voice note. And say, hey, Michelle, thanks so much for tuning into this live. So community is probably the biggest difference 
between LinkedIn and YouTube, we're on LinkedIn. You could literally access every single person that engages with you individually that you can't do on YouTube. Very true. And I find that to be a really interesting viewpoint and establishing that as a baseline, as a difference is really important. I think the other thing to consider is the scope and the vastness of YouTube. YouTube, it really is a search engine with videos and you could find anything you want just by simply searching for it. And with that in mind, a lot of the content that's created is it's evergreen in in a lot of ways, meaning that yes, they have trending topics and current events and things of that nature. But a lot of the content that's created on YouTube, if you create content today, it could still be viewed four or five years from now. And that's not the case on LinkedIn. Now, every once in a while, I look in my notifications and I see an old post that somebody liked. And I'm always almost astonished that somebody liked a post that's 10 months old. It actually happened yesterday to one of Alex Sheridan's posts, 11 month old post that somebody recently liked. And the only way I think that could happen is if it's in their featured section and then somebody there then goes and likes it. So that's a really important nuance. Correct. There's a recency component to LinkedIn versus a a long tail, long-term sort of scenario with YouTube. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. You're you're definitely spot on there. YouTube doesn't care at all about recency in the sense that they just care about quality content that gets distributed. Until YouTube Shorts, that could be different. But as a platform, the, the central ethos is content that lives forever. And that's another key difference between YouTube and LinkedIn is that on LinkedIn, content does not live forever. Content is so recent like the recency effect is so big that you could literally post the same exact post a month later and no one would know that you had posted the same thing a month before. That's how ridiculously recent it is, similar to Instagram almost. But with YouTube, the content, when you post it once, even 10 years later, it's very easy to access because all you got to do is you go on the YouTube channel, all the videos just appear. So when people go to my YouTube channel now, when I started two years ago, I had like seven videos. But now there's a full library of videos that we've created over many years. So even somebody who's new to the channel who hasn't been following up on content with me because they just didn't know me three years ago, they could easily just scroll down, boom, and click a video and watch the content. Something you can't really do on LinkedIn as easily. So that's the second piece is this idea versus recency level content, trendy content versus evergreen content, which is mostly what YouTube specializes in. Let's talk about something else that is really fascinating to me, which is for a YouTube channel to grow and to have a lot of success, in almost all cases, it has a very, very specific type of content that it specializes in. Meaning you're not going to go to a channel that's all about cars and then all of a sudden they do something on cooking. And then on the next day they're doing something on social media marketing. It's very rare where that channel succeeds. And while on LinkedIn, it is important to have a niche and to have a specialty and to be known for a brand, I do think there is this acceptance of different types of content. Maybe some of it's personal, some of it's business oriented, some of it could be news oriented, like an announcement for your business. Some of it could be educational. And so it does, I guess, widen the scope of which you can share. And then, you you know, looking at other platforms too, I was having a great conversation about Instagram with Kat Shanu. And you, you do look and see that a lot of times, most social media platforms, the channels 
are the profiles that do the best. They do specialize in one thing. And even in LinkedIn, I do think it's advisable to have something that you're known for. What is that one thing that you're known for more than any other? So there are some similarities, but I think when we think about just the, the rigidness, I think YouTube's far more rigid in terms of what's accepted on a channel. And that's a great point, Billy. And I love that you brought that up, especially with what Kat shared. But here's my thought on this. I wouldn't coin it necessarily as rigidity. I think it's more about the type of content and how that distribution is done on YouTube versus LinkedIn. So I'll give you an example. On LinkedIn, the average viewer who's listening, who's watching somebody's content, well, it takes me 30 seconds to go through that piece, maybe two minutes, three minutes at the very max. Certainly just reading. If you're actually going through it, by the way, because I think a lot of people comment and like posts that they only see enough to be able to comment. Because we could talk about the law of reciprocation and just how alive and well it is on LinkedIn, even more so than on YouTube. But go ahead, finish your thought. And you're absolutely right. But because it's not like a huge time commitment or an investment, you could post about dogs, who cares? If you just like the person on LinkedIn, you'll just keep engaging because your level of commitment is very low. Okay, I go on Billy's mm, point, point, I spend 10 seconds, whatever, I engage with the next day's post. So you could post about donkeys, it doesn't change anything, to be honest, based on what I've seen on LinkedIn. YouTube's a different animal though. Because YouTube, especially before shorts, this is a five to 10 minute commitment. And I can choose between thousands, hundreds of thousands of YouTube channels. So generally speaking, how most people consume content on LinkedIn is they subscribe to a channel to solve a very specific problem that they want. Chrisman Command is solving for shyness, anxiety. How do you go into social settings and stand out with confidence? Mine is about public speaking techniques specifically and how we can all become exceptional communicators. But Emma Chamberlain and Casey Neistat is pure entertainment. It's how do we create these incredible, memorable experiences through video. But if the content creator starts changing up the content all the time, boom, 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 the same person who likes watching cooking videos doesn't necessarily want to watch videos about renovations. So if you keep changing your content, it gets very confusing as to what you're actually sharing. But because the level of commitment for content consumption on YouTube is so high, people tend to just leave the channel. And this is why we see a lot of channels dying on YouTube when content creators start to diversify their content too much. Because the people who originally subscribed to your channel at the beginning had a certain expectation. And now that expectation is not being met anymore. They just move on to the next channel. Yeah, it's a super good point, man. And I think the level of commitment, I want to look at it, you're looking at it from the lens of a consumer, somebody that's actually taking in the content. Now let's look at it from the end of the creator. So a creator on YouTube has to do a really good job making sure their content is exceptional. It's competitive. And there's a lot. And I mean, a lot of really talented people. When I think of YouTube, I really do believe that you have to be committed to creating great content. On LinkedIn, like that's YouTube. On LinkedIn, it's not that you, you don't need to create great content, you do, but equally as important, you need to be committed to engage and to give and to become involved in the community. You talked about community and that right there, I believe is a fundamental difference. And it's not that you, you don't 
respond to comments on YouTube or do those sorts of things. You do, but I think it's on a whole nother level on LinkedIn. Maybe talk a little bit about why you think that is and what your thoughts are on, on that side of the equation. Yeah. Th- think of it like different sports, right? It's like comparing baseball and soccer. They're both sports, but the way that you play those games and how you win those games, especially if you want to be a pro and go pro, whether it's the MLB or, or being someone in the soccer league, it's just different requirements, different skills. So if you think about LinkedIn, if I'm being completely honest, based on my experience, the quality of the content doesn't matter nearly as much as the level of engagement you have on other people's profiles. So if your content's average and your engagement's exceptional, you'll do a pretty well. At the very minimum, you'll do above average on LinkedIn. Whereas YouTube, you could be the best engager on the planet. You can go comment on a thousand YouTube channels. But if your content's terrible, no one's going to engage with you. But the other piece is also true, which is if people engage with you and you're an exceptional content creator, engagement is also minimal because all you have to do as the the exceptional content creator is to respond to those comments. But you don't have to go to their YouTube channels and start engaging with their videos if you're good enough. Once again, you can do that on YouTube and it does help and I do it all the time. But once you become a big content creator, like 100,000 plus, there's really no need for you to do it. But on LinkedIn, that's fascinating is even after you pass 100,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is much harder to get on LinkedIn, on that platform, you still actually have to keep keeping up those alliances and keep commenting on other people's posts. I've seen multiple multi-six-figure followings on LinkedIn. And I've seen some posts that they get where it's 50 likes, 100 reactions. And I go, wow pretty crazy for for someone who has 100,000 followers. So engagement is everything on LinkedIn, whereas on YouTube, the quality of the content matters so much that if you're really good at what you do and you scale, you don't have to engage at all and still be successful. Totally agree. And such a great point. Why is that, do you think? Why is it that you don't, as a content creator, you don't need to go on YouTube. You don't need to go to other people. You Again, you can, and it's probably a good habit to get into as long as it's not the only thing you do. Because to your point, you could be on YouTube all day commenting like crazy and you could be a, a creator and you could have your own stuff, but just because you're commenting elsewhere, it does not come back around to your own channel. It just doesn't. That's a fascinating thought. Let's break this down. It's a fun question. So we all know on LinkedIn that 2 to 3%, maybe 1% of content creators actually post on LinkedIn regularly. But we can also safely say that 5% at the very least, maybe 10, have made at least one LinkedIn post in their lifetime of the account. Because it's not hard to create content on LinkedIn. The barrier is really low. Mm-hmm. Very low, okay. Even if the percentage of people who actually create consistently is really small on LinkedIn, it's still massive. There's still a bunch of creators. So let's say I'm a content creator and you're a content creator, and 3 or 4% of us are content creators. My expectation is that you engage with me because... If you don't engage with me, somebody else will. But on YouTube, it's very different because the percentage of content creators versus people who consume the content is a completely different ratio. So instead of two out of 100 on LinkedIn who are content creators versus consumptions, that number in YouTube is probably two to 1,000 because of how difficult it is to create content on YouTube. So because there's a lot more consumers, and don't get me wrong, everyone says they want to be a YouTuber. Everyone tries to create a video, but most people give up, right? And we know this just based on data. 
and out of everyone I know, everyone has given up on the YouTube channel except for me, pretty much. So what, <laughs> what's happened is because of that, because of that long tail, since most people are consumers of YouTube channels, not content creators, this creates a different balance where if you're a really good content creator, people just want to engage with you and they don't really expect you to engage with them. It's kind of like if you're watching a TV show with your favorite celebrity, you're commenting on Kim Kardashian's post, but you're not expecting Kim to come back to you and comment on your post. You just want to give her all the love. Whereas on LinkedIn, that's not true. Because on LinkedIn, people who are commenting on each other's posts are generally other content creators, not just consumers of content. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think there, you know, while on LinkedIn, there are some consumers of content who also make comments and like posts. I've heard different numbers, like is it 2%, 3% of people who are active on LinkedIn are actually creating content. I don't know the exact number, but to your point, there is a very active community of, I'm going to call them LinkedIn, hashtag LinkedIn fam. These are people who are actively posting on LinkedIn And as a result of them actively posting on LinkedIn, they're also actively commenting on other people's work because yes, they're nice. That's why. No, it's not because they're nice. Let's be real about this. It's because they know they will get other people to like and comment on their post. And I hate to be so such a cynic and and negative about it, but that's just the reality is like, as much as we'd like to think that everyone's just got a giving heart and they just want to give, give, give. They are absolutely active because they know that is a way for their own post to get elevated. And there might be some exceptions. There are some anomalies out there. There's Kenny, for example, and all he does, he doesn't even make his own posts, but he's constantly commenting on other people's posts. And he's grown as a result, by the way. He has a huge following and he doesn't even do his own posts. But again, that's the exception as opposed to the rule. And so if you think about it from a perspective of, All these content creators, they're doing two things. They're creating content and they're actively engaged in other people's content. You mentioned something and I want to double tap on this, which is the quality of content. I'll just be super blunt. I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling going through my feed and looking at the content. Now, I should be happy that most content is garbage because then it makes it easier to stand out. But I'm going to be real. I have to comment on people's stuff. I have to like people's stuff. And I'm having a hard time finding really, really good content. And maybe there's a million, oh, you could improve your feed and do this and do that. I get it. I know there's ways to make the feed better. You unfollow people that you don't like. You make sure that you seek out and like you and I both do this where we have a list where like John Asperian's on our list and Andy Foote's on our list and Brendan and Liam and the people that we want to comment whose content we like we actually proactively go out there and we find their content. But that doesn't change the fact that so much content put on LinkedIn, in my opinion, is subpar at best. It's flooded with viral videos that have been recycled 100 times, polls that are useless, nine times out of 10, and personal stories. Okay, great. And I've done it too, where it's all about the views. I even did a a survey about this where, yeah, I did a survey about this. Let's see. Okay. So John Asperian says when he was researching for his book, which is amazing, Content DNA in 2019, he suggests, the data then suggested that there were 1% creators on LinkedIn 
then the pandemic has probably pushed that more towards three or 5%, but definitely no more than that. So about 10% of contributors, people who are actively, okay, oh wait, when you say 10% contributors, those aren't the content creators. Those are people who are reacting, commenting, and sharing. So conceivably there's as many as, as three to 5% of people are actually creating content. And then of people who are engaging with the content, it's probably 10% of people who are on LinkedIn. And I just want to make sure that I got that right, John. So I'm going to pause there and get your thoughts on what I just said, Brendan. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, to be blunt as well, the quality of the content on LinkedIn, you know, you, you open your feed and it goes, this shouldn't happen. Agree or disagree? I was like, this is so useless. And then I look at the number of likes and I go, 300? How did that happen? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's very fascinating. So, so here's what I think about it, how I think through this. I don't consume any content on LinkedIn unless it's by specific people. So when John has a post, I always make sure to check out what he's up to. And I like the approach that we talked about that you suggested as well. Make a list of content creators that you just follow and you support each other. And I think for me, what I've learned in this experience, especially on LinkedIn, is just work with people that even if they never supported you, it's just a joy for you to support them. So you're a great example of this, right? Where I don't really care if you engage with my stuff or not. I just genuinely like you as a person and I'm going to comment and I'm going to like, but even when you have bad days with their content strategy and I don't like the content, I'll still say nice things about it. I'll still comment because I feel LinkedIn is more about a people to people social media network, which is unique because most social media that's supposed to bring us together. I think LinkedIn is, as, is the only app to my knowledge who has actually done that sufficiently well, where you essentially have to build alliances with other content creators, literally meet them one-on-one -on -one over Zoom and pick, pick out your army of content promoters and engagers and creators to, to go on your crusade to scaling on this mighty platform called LinkedIn. So I, I just think it's a different game. But what I will say is anyone who thinks they're a great content creator on LinkedIn and hasn't tried YouTube, uh, all I'll say is it's a different, it's a different animal, right? And, and I would encourage people who are really strong on LinkedIn to really start asking themselves, how am I really good at content creation or am I really good at engagement? Because I think understanding who you are will really help you. Like for me, I was very strong in content creation because of my YouTube game. So when I brought that game to LinkedIn, I already had a very high bar for what I wanted with quality. And I was able to deliver on that quality. I'm still refining my content strategy. But I think it's important to start seeing what else is possible outside of LinkedIn because this, this stuff is not going to last forever, in my opinion, based on the quality that we've been seeing. So here's the question that I would have then, and this is for you and for anyone who's tuning in right now, if we were to break it down percentage-wise in importance level on LinkedIn specifically, how important is the content versus the engagement? Is it 50-50, 60-40, 70-30, meaning... Like to your point, you could be an average content creator, but a fantastic engager and you're engaging in content. A, what is optimal? I mean, obviously you want to be as good at content as you possibly can, but how much emphasis in time? My point here is what, what is the breakdown? Is it not what's optimal, I guess, because that's hard to say, but what do you think what's more important in terms of percentage wise on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. I would say roughly for me, it's probably 80-20, 80 towards engagement, 20 towards content. And I'll tell you why quite simply, Billy, is all you need on LinkedIn is 30 quality posts and you just rinse and repeat the same shit every month. 
and no one will know. Literally, no one will know. Whereas with YouTube, it's much more difficult to do that because the video is right there from three weeks ago. So you can't, it's a lot harder. So I would say, I would say like five to one, right? Exactly. So 80, 80, 20 would be the number I would give as well. But for YouTube, that number is very different. That number is 99.99999% on content creation and 0.00001% on engagement. You should really focus everything on being the best content creator. I think we've gotten that point home crystal clear. Let's talk about a few other things that I think are important. And But before we do, I do think that we need to recognize that as you think about LinkedIn and you think about YouTube, there's different outcomes too. And part of that is you mentioned the community and the network building, and there's people crushing it on LinkedIn because it's really easy to gain access to clients. With YouTube, you put out the content, it's kind of like an advertisement. You know, you're going to get some conversion. You're going to get some people reaching out to you, especially if you have a really compelling call to action. It's very clear where you want people to go, but you could screw up LinkedIn and you could, you know, blind squirrel can get, can get a nut. Right. And so you could find customers on LinkedIn and, and, and take it from me. I don't claim to be anything special, although I am fairly good at networking and building relationships. I'll admit that, but it's so easy on LinkedIn to do it because you, you, you do get that interaction, especially if you have the courage to set up a Zoom meeting, get to know people, do a phone call, build those relationships. And it, it does become a really good thorough funnel. So let's talk about this from a revenue slash business building standpoint. What are the nuances there? Right. And let's give it super simple, Billy. This is the honest truth. This is more in favor of LinkedIn. The average LinkedIn user is just way richer than the average YouTube user. Let's, put, let's start with that. So when someone has more income, they have a lot more flexibility to buy services and products. They're a lot more open to those types of conversations. That's one. The second thing to your point is because you can engage with users directly on LinkedIn in a way that you just can't on YouTube, it's a lot easier for you to just cold outbound, meet people individually, especially if you're selling a coaching service or a product that is very specific to the individual. To your point, super easy. I mean, I've had the same experience too. It's so easy for me to get clients on LinkedIn versus on YouTube. YouTube is literally impossible, which brings us to the most important difference between the two. YouTube is not for everybody, but for those who are playing the decade-long game that I love, right? That's the game that we play on this show anyways, is YouTube is the best form of advertising that is free on the planet, hands down, no doubt about it. And I'll explain why through a little mini story. When I went to the vault, Patrick David's event, I don't even have to talk about who I am. I don't need to say what I do. I don't even need to say what my mission is. All I have to do when people ask me what I do is I say, I have a YouTube channel called Master Talk. The second I say that, almost everybody around me who's listening to it grabs their phone, immediately goes to the YouTube channel. What's it called? And then they go, Master, boom. Instant credibility. I think YouTube is the best front ad that you could ever have at the cost of zero dollars and zero cents. So I think it's the combination of YouTube and LinkedIn that really creates a dangerous combo on the platform. And here's what I mean. You could get clients alone on LinkedIn without using YouTube. Hands down, no problem. You could build a big business. But if you want to build a massive business, I think YouTube helps. And here's why. Let's say somebody comes up to me in my LinkedIn profile in a competitor LinkedIn profile prospects considering two different communication coaches. 
and they're looking at my profile and that other person's profile. In that decision-making process, the other person, what that prospect is doing is they're going through their tiny videos on LinkedIn. Maybe they're going to get a couple of, watch a couple of videos, spend five, 10 minutes and be done with it. But on my feed, they're going to go straight to my YouTube channel and binge that for an hour or two. And at the end of that, the people who are the most serious prospects who really do their homework are always going to come to the conclusion that I'm the better vendor because I have the best content. And not even just me. Chris Doe is another great example of this. In the business world, where he's a business coach for creatives, he has the number one YouTube channel for business tips if you're in the creator space. So if somebody's considering different business coaches in that space, they go immediately to Chris Doe's YouTube channel and they're sold. It's over. So what YouTube channels do is it allows them that after the conversation is started, and this is important, after the conversation is started, it pretty much guarantees that or increases the likelihood that you're the person who's going to win. But what LinkedIn is good at doing is it's great at starting the conversation, whereas YouTube is good at closing the sale. Mm. Yeah, well, YouTube does give a, especially if you have subscribers, you're clearly an authority, a voice. And because they can see everything in a glance, a lot easier than looking and scrolling through a feed of your posts, you are establishing yourself as a credible individual within your space. That's true. A couple things come to mind. I do want to, you know, we're all about facts here. It's not impossible. As you said, you said it's literally impossible to get clients on YouTube. It's certainly not impossible. There's lots of examples who've done it. I know you're using hyperbole, but just in fairness, it's not impossible to find clients on YouTube, but LinkedIn, it's kind of like Facebook ads. Why are Facebook ads good? Because you could target, you could target very, very specific people based on their likes, their interests, what they have in their profile and any number of data points that let's face it, Facebook is damn good at getting. And then you could go and zero in on those specific people, much in the same way, YouTube, you could find people who are recruiters or you could find people who are in marketing or you could find people who are in specific regions or went to certain school or have certain interests or volunteer, you know, any number of things, especially if you have the tools like Sales Navigator, which allows you to very, very tactically with laser-like precision, find the people who you need to talk to. That does not exist in the same way on YouTube. In fact, most of the users on YouTube, you could barely even tell who they are based on their username. They may have some random series of letters and numbers and no photo. It could be a football helmet and that's it, right? And so that specificity does bode well for LinkedIn. So it's interesting because it's it's easier to get through on LinkedIn from a, to grow on LinkedIn, just, you, you just got to engage. You got to put in the sweat equity. You can find people easier and very, have very targeted approach. But to your point, a check mark in the YouTube thing is if you can make YouTube work and you're willing to put in the time, the long-term benefit of having YouTube is phenomenal from a, a brand and credibility standpoint. So what does somebody have to do or what should somebody consider before starting a YouTube channel? Because as you said, most people that, that do it, they stop or they don't do it consistently. They just, they don't have success. So should people just not start? Should they not try? Or should they be considering certain factors before they actually take the plunge into the YouTube pool? Right. Here, here's the way I think about this. If you just want business, stay on LinkedIn. 
if you have a mission, go to YouTube. That's the way I think about Ooh, it. Ooh, I like it. That's the quote of this meeting. Okay. That's the way I've always seen it. Like for me, I started with the mission and now I build a business. Other people build a business and might or might not find a mission later on. It depends who you are and who you're talking to. So when we think about LinkedIn, you could easily get clients, right? Just post your stuff, engage like John and everyone else said and get your stuff. But on YouTube, given how difficult it is to stay consistent, because trust me, there's going to be days where you just don't want to create content. I mean, my last video got 200 views and I have almost 14,000 subscribers, right? That's 1% of my audience watching that video. So even after almost three years of doing this, I'm still pushing forward. Why? Because YouTube is not about business for me. It's about how do you create a movement? How do you create thought leadership to help people gain access to free communication tools? So what my recommendation is, is dominate LinkedIn first, make your money. And then after you start finding some success on LinkedIn, and if you want to try YouTube, I'll give you the 80-20 rule where you don't have to create a YouTube channel that's consistent, but you can still take advantage of the platform. Here's what I would do, especially if you're a service-based provider, this is easy. Take the top 10 questions that your clients ask you in general. Let's see your relationship coach. What are the top 10 questions they ask you? And make a video on each of the questions with your answer. That's it. And that's your YouTube channel. And it's like super high quality, 10 videos, and that's your YouTube channel. That's the 80-20. So whenever somebody goes to your YouTube channel, they can watch one of those 10 videos. It all looks nice. You're not posting anything else. People go, oh, well, I'm going to watch these videos. I'm going to watch it like a content library. That's the way I would think of it. Mm. But then if obviously, if you want to get more serious, uh, there's a lot more sweat uh, to put in. Luke says, you got to play the algorithms. That's it. Even if you're legit with content, you won't get play. Unless you get in early on an app and post multiple times a day for, for weeks or years, which brings up a really good point. There are platforms like TikTok, Instagram Reels, and YouTube Shorts, which are all yielding very impressive organic reach, which I think part of the reason why is unlike YouTube where it's more search, that's more like the content's brought to you based on the algorithm and based on your browsing. And you could quickly just go through a hundred videos in a couple minutes. And so it's, it is again, a different animal, a different sport. So what does it take if you were going to give somebody advice right now and they want to succeed on YouTube what advice would you give them to, let's assume they don't just want to be somebody that's doing the 80-20 thing. They actually want to do a long-term play and they want to see long-term growth. What would you advise them to do to hit the ground running? Make one amazing video a week for 10 years and don't miss a single week. And you'll probably be successful on YouTube. But most people won't make it 10 years. That's the key, right? At the end of the day, your content lives forever. My most popular video, Billy, that's getting 500 views a day, I released in January, 2020. So it's been, I'm looking at the time now, a year and nine months since that video has been released and it's still getting reviews to this day. That was almost two years ago from the posting date. What is that leading us? It's leading us to this conclusion. You need to be willing to play a very long game. The biggest mistake content creators on YouTube make is they post a bunch of stuff and then after six months, they get burnt out, they get tired, and they don't want to do it anymore. But the opposite is also true. You have people who post once a week or not consistently enough, and the content isn't that great. So for me, the golden rule, the, the, the way that I've thought about this is make one really high quality post every week and just keep that pace. So for the first year, what I did 
is I, I didn't edit a single video. I just wanted to get better at the skill of making long form videos. And then after a year, I went professional with all my production. And then after that, my YouTube channel started to grow. But you need to be willing to play for a decade. If you're only in YouTube for a year, don't even bother trying to grow on YouTube. I think it's a waste of your time. It is a long-term play. Okay, so I'll answer my own question for YouTube or for LinkedIn. I think the number one thing that I would suggest somebody do out of the gate is to find your you. And what I mean by that is who on the platform is doing the things that you want to be doing in terms of the types of posts, the types of engagement that they get, the industry they're in, their brand recognition, the business they're in, like all of those things collectively Find your you or your use. Maybe there's two or three or five people. If you're in finance, find somebody in finance, right? If you're in marketing, find somebody in marketing. If you're in podcasting, find somebody in podcasting and so forth and so on. Once you've found them, obviously you're going to follow them, send them a personalized connection request. After you've commented on their posts and they're liked their posts, like it's been a few days really becoming memorable by posting comments on their posts that are like content in and of itself, right? And so you become memorable and then send them a connection request where you say, hey, like, I really love your content. I really loved the post you made about where to spend your time and how important it is to spend your time on marketing as opposed to creating content as a podcaster. So once you've done that and you've become very active on their posts, remember that you're only going to grow if you also make alliances with other people. So start liking other people's comments, start making comments on other people's comments who also are engaged in those same posts. Because conceivably, those people, they like the same type of content as you and potentially the same type of content that you're going to put out. And so as you comment and you like, you're building these relationships, then you send them a connection request, again, personalized. Hey, I loved your comment on John's post. Really great insight about blah, blah, blah. Okay. Once you've done this, now you're starting to build alliances. And if you do this with one, two, three, four, five views, and over time you begin to build more and more people in your network, you're able to then find people who likely, if they're already engaging and they're already engaging in the type of content that you like, they're going to engage in your content. So that will help you generate some momentum. And in LinkedIn land, momentum's important because you want people to comment and like on, like your post because guess what? That's telling the algorithm, hey, this is kind of popular. You should share it with more people. And then those posts go viral. I would also say explore the different types of content. Like right now, polls, for example, are super hot. So explore those, but don't exclusively do those. And to the point that Brendan made, as you start putting out more content, and I think consistently, I will say on LinkedIn, it's probably three times a week, I would say as a good starting off point, but I would not be resistant to doing daily or five days a week if you can do it sustainably. So consistency in either case, YouTube or LinkedIn is really important, but in either case, it's long-term. Don't do it for two weeks and then fizzle out. And consistently on LinkedIn does not just apply to creating the post, it's consistent in making comments on other people's posts. So Brendan, what would you avoid doing? Because there are many number of ways you can grow on LinkedIn. You can grow on YouTube. There's pods on LinkedIn. And I'm sure there, there are tons of ways that you can bake the books on YouTube to get yourself more subscribers. What would you advise avoid doing either hacks or other things that you don't think are, are good ideas? 
Yeah, I think the biggest mistake people make content creation in general, Billy, is they don't have a clear mission. Like a clear reason at the very minimum. Why do you want to create content? What's the intention here? Are you trying to look for a job? Are you trying to change the world? Are you trying to build a business? Very different outcomes. And if we're not clear on what the outcome is, that's the fastest way to burn out as a content creator. So I'd really just sit down and say, why do I want to create content? Who's this for? What's it for? And what is the difference that I want to make through this content? Because if your goal is to find a job, then your content is going to be tailored towards that, getting job seekers for your specific role interested in what you're doing. And your content creation changes. And you probably don't have to post daily either. But if your goal is you want to be like Gary Vee, you want to post a bunch of content, you want to be this big superstar, you want to change the world, well, then posting on LinkedIn is a daily is almost a must, right? It's, it's that idea. So being clear about the end goal, but what we're trying to do is, is probably the biggest mistake people make and don't think deeply enough. And that's why most content creators play for days rather than decades. Oh yeah, I'm just going to get the next follower for what? What's the point of getting the next follower? And once you get clear on that, I think everything else becomes clear. Another mistake I see people make is they don't batch content enough. Literally, batching is the life savior of any platform. I don't care if you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, you'll be on Tumblr. It doesn't matter. Batching content is mandatory. It's honestly mandatory, even on LinkedIn. And I'll tell you exactly why. 100%. I agree and the reason you. it's so important, like I'll give the best example. I was in Miami all last week, right? I didn't spend an hour and go, you know what? I'm in Miami. So I'm going to go and spend an hour creating content every day for LinkedIn. No, of course not. But I was still able to post most of the days. The only days I, did, I forgot to, uh, I didn't post wasn't because I didn't have content ready. It's because I just forgot to press post. But the key, because I batched, I, I think my current batch is five or six months ahead of schedule. So because my batch is so lengthy, and that's fun about LinkedIn, I could just reuse the same thing again. So I don't think I have to create content anymore for LinkedIn, is now I don't have to think about it. But for you who's not batching your content, well, when you want to take a vacation, when something happens at work that's unexpected, when you wake up an hour later, are you really going to spend that hour creating that content on that day? Yeah, most of the times you will, but then you'll miss one day and then you'll miss another. And every day that you miss, your competitor will post something. So that's the key. And on, on YouTube, what I just said, apply that times 100. If you are not batching your content on YouTube, it is impossible, impossible to stay consistent. Even as we're talking right now, I have a whole team now for YouTube. We're seven weeks ahead of our content strategy, like posted, already scheduled and ready to go. Six videos and one, there's a little correction that Danny needs to do. But it's like seven, almost two months ahead of schedule. And let me look, I'm just doing the math really quickly. And two years and three months ahead of written schedule. So I've already written out the content for the next two years and already have everything produced seven weeks in advance. That's how demanding YouTube is. And you know what's crazy about all this? People is I only post once a week on YouTube. I, I don't even post like Graham, Stephanie's three times a week. Gary, you post every day. I don't know how that works, but even at once a week, I'm pretty overloaded. So yeah. batch, batch, batch. You could do more per week and then you, uh, you know, you, you, you just reduce the, the amount of time that you could forecast that you have content for. But I get it. I think it's better to be consistent and do it once a week than to do it in a way where you're 
running the risk of not not putting something out on a consistent basis. Okay, so what what didn't we talk about? What because this is all about YouTube versus LinkedIn, LinkedIn versus YouTube. Like you said, they are two different sports, not just two different teams, two different sports, two different animals. One's a zebra, one's a tiger. What what didn't we talk about in terms of either the difference or what else we should think about as we as we wind down on uh, this session, which I loved. And I actually want to talk, we could talk a lot more about the content creation approach that you take with batching. I, for the longest time, did not batch on LinkedIn. And I and I, I do think, just to go back and agree, but also think, I think you need to go longer than 30 days. Because even though most people won't even know it's the same recycled content, for your own well-being, I would say, try to add some new content in and then you could recycle some old content. You could also repurpose old content. So one of the things I did, and then I'll go, I'll go to you for this answer, is I took all of my posts from 2020 and I gave them to a cartoon artist and a carousel artist, designer, and they created basically versions of my posts last year in totally new ways. And so it's the same exact concepts principally and from a topic standpoint and from a, a insight standpoint, it's the same message, just packaged in a new way. And I'm not saying you have to do that. You could literally share the exact same thing, but you don't have to either. You could mix it up. And now, like now you got, you got a text version of it. You got a cartoon version of it. You got a video version of it. Right now, to your point, I have scheduled on YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram, like three months worth of content. And I, that doesn't even include the latest batch that I just got back. So when you can start to leverage existing content and repurposing it and repackaging it, you get the best of all the worlds. Okay, so back to the question. What haven't we talked about as it relates to these two giants and these two really important, the, the dynamic duo, which if they if you use both and use both effectively, you could have enormous results. This is more of a personal opinion. And the personal opinion is this. If you're a short-term thinker, you'll try and figure out a way to win on either or. And if you're a long-term thinker, you'll figure out a way to dominate on both. And the reason why I say that is, in my opinion, most people who are just focused on LinkedIn or really any one platform for that matter cannot win long-term because they're too one-dimensional, because they don't own the medium. You don't own LinkedIn. You don't own YouTube. Google and Microsoft do. And if they decide that you're out of this party, you need to find another place to stay. So that's why I believe that the people who will win are not going to look at LinkedIn and YouTube and say one or the other, one versus the other, one's better than the other, one I should focus more on the other, but rather say, how can I dominate on both? Because if we dominate on both, and trust me as someone who is a, who is a YouTuber on LinkedIn, it is absolutely dangerous that I have a YouTube channel because it's very difficult for many of my competitors in my own industry to compete with me. There's so many studies, not even studies, just actual clients I've signed this month who literally said, I had seven other interviews with speech coaches and I picked you because of the YouTube channel. It's just easy. Like I can research, I can go through the deepness of that person's content and we just win business that way. But if you're just relying mm -hmm. on LinkedIn or if you're just relying on YouTube, this is the opposite is also true. If you're just relying on YouTube, but you're not engaging with people, you're not connecting with them, you're not getting on Zoom calls with them, you're not going to win either. So you need to start thinking about how can I win in both?
Beautiful, beautiful point. I'm going to give one parting gift to anyone listening right now. And that is you can not only dominate both, but you can leverage the two of them in a very, very smart way. I'm going to give one simple tactic, strategy that I observed today that I thought was brilliant. I'll give a a big shout out to Ben White, who employed this strategy. He's active on LinkedIn. I think he's got 20,000 followers or something like that. And he did a poll. Polls get a lot of organic reach. So you do a poll on LinkedIn. His poll was which job or which industry gets the most out of college? It was like computer engineering, petroleum engineering, chemical engineering, and whatever, one other. And then he writes the post. It's a pretty good post. And then at the end, he's like, to see the answer, check out the video in the comments. Boom. So of course, in the comments is his YouTube video. This is so brilliant because now you're leveraging the power of a trending type of content. In this case, it's polls on LinkedIn and you're getting them to go to YouTube. And you could apply this in any number of areas. Maybe it's TikTok to YouTube, IG Reels to YouTube. It could be anything, but find the gap, right? Find the, if you're a football quarterback, find the person who's running the long route and you know they're running the long route and you know that the person, the the corner who's covering them is not as fast as them. And you know, because the algorithm is such that that person's gonna outrun them, that you're gonna have a chance to have some serious, serious good odds that you'll be able to convert that pass. Same is true using one platform to support another. So with that, Brendan's made some very odd faces in this episode. So if you want to see Brendan's odd faces, I'm going to send him screenshots uh, of what of the faces he makes. I, I, I didn't talk about it until just now, but I'm going to make a post. This is the guy that I do a live with. I think I might just update our artwork to have these weird random faces. But if you liked this episode, do let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found some value in this one. We really enjoy talking about topics that do help you on your road, either as an entrepreneur or creator or anybody that's trying to do more to leave a legacy. Until next time, do make it a great one and we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.